0: Good morning and welcome to current radio it's tuesday december 26th today we're diving into a startup tackling the bed bug problem and discussing how ai ethics keeps falling by the wayside plus we'll be looking at the standout deals in a slow year for enterprise tech m a and how salesforce found stability in 2023 this coverage and more up next welcome to current radio's technology station please enjoy today's selection technology news. Bugs, while a part of our ecosystem, can be quite a nuisance, causing damage to homes, furniture, and even crops. Often by the time we realize there's a bug problem, it's already escalated. But a startup named Spada aims to change that. Celeste, can you shed some light on this?
1: Absolutely, James. Spada is using technology to tackle the age-old problem of pest infestation, They've developed small devices that use sensors to spot the first few bugs, allowing people to address the issue before it becomes a full-blown infestation. The company's co-founder and CEO, Robert Friars, mentioned that this is a sector that hasn't seen much innovation for decades. Spotta’s devices are designed to be small, affordable, and require minimal maintenance, which are key factors for scalability.
0: Interesting, how exactly do these devices
1: work? SpotTA’s devices work by attracting bugs inside them. Once inside, the device identifies the bug and sends images to the users. This allows for early detection and intervention, reducing the need for excessive use of chemicals. It's a proactive approach to pest control, leveraging technology to prevent infestations rather than just reacting to them.
0: That sounds like a game changer for pest control. It's fascinating to see how technology is being used to solve such practical problems. Thanks for the insight, Celeste. However, in recent AI news, a rather concerning headline caught attention. AI image generators are being trained on explicit photos of children. This story revolves around LAYON, a dataset used to train many popular AI image generators, which was found to contain thousands of images of suspected child sexual abuse. Celeste, what can you tell us about this?
1: Yes, James. The Stanford Internet Observatory, along with anti-abuse charities, identified the illegal material and reported the links to law enforcement. LAYON, a nonprofit, has since taken down its training data and pledged to remove the offensive materials before republishing it. This incident highlights the urgent need for more careful consideration in the development of generative AI products, especially as competitive pressures increase.
0: That's a serious issue. It seems like the rapid growth of AI and the ease of training generative AI on any data set is leading to some ethical oversights.
1: Indeed, James. The lower barrier to entry for AI model creation tools is a double-edged sword. While it's beneficial for startups and tech giants to quickly deploy models, it also tempts some to disregard ethics for a quicker path to market. Ethical AI development ideally involves working with all relevant stakeholders, including organizations representing groups often marginalized and adversely impacted by AI systems. Unfortunately, there are numerous examples of AI release decisions made with shareholders, not ethicists, in mind.
0: Could you give us some examples of these unethical AI release decisions?
1: Certainly. Bing Chat, Microsoft's AI-powered chatbot, at launch compared a journalist to Hitler and insulted their appearance. As of October, ChatGPT and BARD, Google's ChatGPT competitor, were still giving outdated racist medical advice. And the latest version of OpenAI's image generator Dal E shows evidence of Anglocentrism. These are just a few examples of the harms being done in the pursuit of AI superiority.
0: That's quite alarming. Are there any measures being taken to address these ethical issues?
1: There's some hope with the passage of the EU's AI regulations, which threaten fines for non-compliance with certain AI guardrails. However, the road to ethical AI is still long and fraught with challenges. On a more positive note, there have been some interesting AI developments recently, such as Microsoft Copilot's new ability to compose songs thanks to an integration with Gen.I. music app Suno, and the EU's plan to support homegrown AI startups by providing them with access to processing power for model training on the block's supercomputers.
0: It's good to hear about these positive developments. What about the research and experiments happening in the AI field?
1: There's a lot happening there too. For instance, a Danish study called Life2Vec uses countless data points in a person's life to predict their personality traits and life expectancy. Then there's Coscientist, a system created by CMU scientists, which is an AI assistant for researchers that can autonomously perform certain lab tasks. Google's AI researchers have also been busy, developing tools like FunSearch for making mathematical discoveries, StyleDrop for replicating certain styles via generative imagery, and VideoPoet for various video tasks.
0: That's quite a lot of progress in the AI field. But with all these advancements, there must be some cautionary tales too, right?
1: Absolutely. Stanford researchers have shown that AI models can propagate outdated and disproven medical claims about racial groups. This is a critical reminder that we must remain vigilant when working with AI models in health and medicine or any other field where human bias can be a factor.
0: That's a crucial point, Celeste. As we continue to advance in the field of AI, it's essential that we don't lose sight of the ethical considerations and potential for harm. We must strive for progress, but not at the cost of ethics and safety. Now, as we approach the end of the year, it's time to reflect on the biggest tech M&A deals of 2023. Surprisingly, this year saw a significant decrease in activity from major players like Microsoft, Salesforce, Adobe, and Oracle. Celeste, can you give us some insight into this?
1: Absolutely, James. It's been quite an unusual year. Typically, by this time, we would have seen several major acquisitions from these tech giants. However, this year, only Cisco made a significant move, announcing 11 total deals, SAP made a few smaller deals, but the others mostly stayed on the sidelines. The $61 billion Broadcom VMware deal, announced in May 2022, finally closed last month. And Adobe and Figma agreed to end their $20 billion deal this month, which had been stuck in regulatory limbo since it was announced in September 2022.
0: That's quite a shift from previous years. Do we have any data to support this?
1: Yes, we do. CB Insights reported zero deals in Q3 this year from Big Tech. Compare that with 2019 when there were 10 such deals in Q3 or with 2020 when there were eight. The high cost of borrowing might have put a damper on the deals we saw in 2023. The top deals this year totaled just $67.7 billion, a significant drop from 2020's $165 billion. This is the lowest total we've seen since 2019's all-time low of $40 billion.
0: Interesting. So the landscape of tech M&A has changed quite a bit. What about the role of private equity firms in this year's deals?
1: Private equity firms played a significant role this year, either buying companies or selling them off at a nice profit. It's also worth noting that some smaller deals involving AI may have had a bigger impact, like Atlassian buying Loom for $975 million, Salesforce acquiring AirKit.ai for an undisclosed amount, or Snowflake nabbing AI search company Neva, also for an undisclosed amount.
0: So while the big players may have been quieter this year, there's still been some interesting movement in the tech M&A space. Thanks for the insights, Celeste. In a related note, Salesforce, a company that started the year amidst turbulence and uncertainty, has managed to end the year on a surprisingly positive note with its stock up over 96% year to date. However, the journey hasn't been smooth. Celeste, can you help us understand the dynamics at play here?
1: Absolutely, James. Salesforce's year began with the departure of co-CEO, Brett Taylor, who was speculated to be the successor to Mark Benioff. This was followed by the stepping down of Slack CEO and co-founder Stuart Butterfield. These back-to-back exits of key executives were a significant blow to the company.
0: That's quite a shakeup. And I understand that there was also some activist investor activity within the company?
1: Yes, indeed. Activist investors like Elliott Management, Starboard Value, Value Act Capital, Inclusive Capital, and Third Point became quite active within Salesforce. Typically, when such investors show up, they have strong opinions on how to fix a company. In Salesforce's case, this led to the introduction of three new board members, one of whom was Mason Morfitt, CEO and Chief Investment Officer of ValueAct, an activist investor.
0: And these changes led to some significant cost-cutting measures, correct?
1: Yes, James. Salesforce announced that it was cutting 10% of its workforce, or about 7,000 people, on January 4th, 2023. The company cited over-hiring during the pandemic as the reason, but it's also possible that this was a move to appease the activist investors. However, the layoffs were reportedly not handled well, and the company's reputation as a progressive, employee-friendly organization took a hit.
0: It's been a tumultuous year for Salesforce, but it seems they've managed to navigate the storm. It will be interesting to see how these changes impact the company's trajectory moving forward. But for now, that wraps up our stories for today. Thanks for listening to Current Radio. We'll see you back here tomorrow.